Hi, I'm Amanda McLooney. And I'm April Klimkevich, and this is Her Step Forward, where we share stories of women who step up, step out, and step forward into careers and lives they love. After graduating from Carnegie Mellon University with a degree in communication design and photography, Sharona Jacobs started her career working in a photography and film museum in New York. Mid-career, she completed a master's degree in counseling psychology at Boston College and worked as a psychotherapist. Most recently, Sharona is back behind the camera with a business of her own, and she's known as Boston's literary photographer. Her portraits have appeared in the New York Times, Wired, NPR.org, and more acclaimed publications. Sharona has a background in dance and keeps moving through teaching and practicing karate with her husband and daughter. Welcome, Sharona. We're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Yay, our pleasure. So Sharona and I met in grad school when we were studying counseling psychology together at Boston College. Sharona, you Mm -hmm. have a background in arts and psychology. So how do all Mm -hmm. of the diverse things you've done come into play in your work? And how did photography come to the forefront for you? Oh, they all completely draw on the other. You know, it's so funny when you're going through different courses or college or you're starting your first job, you keep thinking to yourself, how does this all make sense with what I've done before and what's the next thing going to be? But the funny thing is, in looking back, is how linked and connected every experience I've had. As far as the photography is concerned, actually, that's the easy answer because My father actually was a professional photographer when he was young, and my grandfather also was a photographer. We have huge, yeah, we have huge generational gaps, though. And my grandfather actually was a photographer in the trenches of World War One when he was a captain in the British Army, and he actually documented trench warfare um, using those very early uh, stereoscopic glass slides. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I come by it honestly. I started shooting when I was, I'd say, 10 or 11. um, And I actually got my first SLR, my single lens reflex camera as a bat mitzvah gift (laughs) um, from my father and my grandfather. And I started shooting studio photography in middle school. And that's when I started playing around with lights and um, all the fun toys that you get to play with as a photographer. That's so exciting. And talk about a lineage of photographers. I was very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. My dad really encouraged me. And I just loved, you know, putzing around in the dark room when I was in college and playing around in chemicals, which if I knew that, I knew now, I'd probably wear gloves. But you do what you do and you have a great time while you're doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all about having fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. Life's too short not to. Of course. So Sharona, I was looking at your website uh, as April and I were preparing for the website. And one of the things that stood out to me is that in marketing, we always hear a lot about creating a niche or really focusing on doing one thing and doing it better than anyone else. And so when I was looking at your website, I see that's exactly what you've done. And so I'm curious to know, how did you come to focus on portraiture and specifically for authors and creatives? So what I would say is when you see an image, it's often at least half as much about the person photographing as the person being photographed. So I choose to photograph something that reflects who I am. I am a trained 
psychotherapist. And so for me, studying the, the, the human psyche and the individual personality is what I'm really interested in. And, and to use all that information towards a visual art form is this beautiful marriage for me. As far as how I came about doing it. So when I started my photography business, most recently in the past 10 years, I started shooting a lot of headshots and things like that. And so I was, uh, I was photographing for Brandeis and for many of the local universities here in Boston and also doing a lot of headshots with professionals and professors and then some authors. And I just loved the challenge of working with authors because there was just so much to draw from, so many stories, uh, so much depth, uh, so much that I could reveal in a portrait that was just more than taking a picture of a you know, pretty face. Um, not that there are beautiful, beautiful images of doing that, but that just, to me, I wanted more depth. And so a lot of photographers, when they're feeling like they want to explore more creatively, they take on personal projects. Some people call them passion projects. But for me, I just started photographing the author's that I knew in my life, some who I had already photographed professionally and some of whom I knew personally. And one thing led to another. I was fortunate to photograph uh, a lovely author. Uh, lovely is such a funny word. It's such a, my word, but he's like a really edgy, funny, hilarious, hard-hitting <laughs> guy named Steve Almond. And uh, he's written a lot of uh, bestsellers, rock and roll, well, Save Your Life, Candy Freak, um, his, one of his more recent ones is called Against Football, but he's known for photographing lots of really contentious and edgy subjects, but he's a great guy. And I photographed him as part of this project and he introduced me to a lot of his circle of authors. And then he introduced me to Eve Bridberg, who is the executive director of a wonderful organization in Boston called Grub Street, which is actually really a national caliber, uh, writer's incubator. And they really encourage people through classes and networking to create their first novel or their second novel. And they really meet writers where they are at any given place in their career. And I was fortunate enough to have a gallery show called the Boston Authors Project, which was based on his personal project, which has now been in their base uh, right near Boston Common in downtown Boston. Oh, I don't know, I guess it's uh, five or eight, uh, some, somewhere between five and 10 years. I should have a date for you, but wow. it's been there for some time. And there are these beautiful four foot tall black and white images of local Boston authors. And so I, I think just being part of that community, which I've been very fortunate to, to be a part of, um, sort of one thing led to another. And now I would say that probably 98% of the people I photograph either are a writer or they have a book out because they're a professor. And I would say I, I really photograph a lot of folks that are into literary fiction. Um, it's always super fun when I get to photograph genre people um, in fantasy or science fiction. I have a, a few people that also write nonfiction as well, several poets. And so it's just, it's wonderful because before I ever sit down and uh, pull up the camera or pull out the lights. I always sit down with a cup of tea with the author to get a sense of who they are. And I, I'm so lucky to do what I do because I get to hear these people's stories every day. And it's, it's fascinating. That's so cool. And it sounds to me like maybe you, 
allowed something to happen. Like you weren't necessarily seeking a niche. The niche found you. Would you say that might be true? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's sort of like you you follow little clues. Like there was something in my gut, my sort of inner compass that was saying, I'm really interested in this. And I allowed myself to follow an interest um, and to spend the time and give myself permission to spend the time on personal projects. I mean, I could have been spending those hours in marketing and ironically, in hindsight, it was marketing because that's how I got to know um, writers by spending time with them and doing this project. And a lot of the time I would photograph these writers in wherever compelled them to write. And a lot of the times it was in individuals' homes. There was one writer where she would walk and walk for hours a day to think about her character development. And so we went to the park where she would walk all the time. And so I, I, it was so such a pleasure because I got to see people where they think and, and what, what a privilege. It was really fantastic. So if you're going to market, like that's the way to market by actually being, you know, with the people. Um, and I feel like coming by it in a way that's organic and reflects the people that you're working with. Sharona, you're so right. And at the end of what you're, what you're doing and what your story, it, it seems like the most important takeaway that I'm hearing is that you just followed what you love to do. And, and it doesn't have to be marketing in the sense of um, pushy or salesy. You're, you're really just following your passion. Exactly. And also following your audience, like being where they are and caring about what they do and being genuine for lack of a better right. word. I, I think <laughs> you don't necessarily need to think as, of marketing as 12 million email lists. So that that has its time and place, but also just spending time with people that you genuinely are interested in and learning about who they are and what they're interested in and what they care about. You're right. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think authenticity has come up a couple of times so far. And I think Mm. definitely, definitely important. Hmm. So Sharona, you and your husband, Jeremy, whose career focuses on user experience and design, kind of Mm -hmm. tech meets art meets people, you each contribute Mm -hmm. and support each other as you both pursue careers and raise your lovely daughter. How -hmm. does that balance work for your family? It is both wonderful and a juggle. We definitely support each other in each other's endeavors. From the very logistical perspective of, okay, you're speaking on Wednesday and I have a shoot in that day. How are we going to juggle making sure the kid is fed? We all work on those sort of logistical things together, but we also work with each other creatively as well. He's always my first sounding board and I his. One of the things he actually uh, speaks a lot about in his user experience work is how Drawing and sketching is an excellent communication device, even within a business setting. Mm-hmm. And so his PowerPoint presentations are the most hilarious cartoons. He has this <laughs> wonderful drawing style. And like, I, I have never literally laughed out loud at a PowerPoint presentation before. <laughs> Um, and just the expressions he does in this very sparse line art is amazing. So yeah, whether it's working on copy or getting his perspective on an element of my website, um, or if I'm doing a video where he has a lot of background in video, I definitely um, like to to sort of tap on his experience and his brain to figure things out. Though the one place where he doesn't help me is with with the, the actual 
photos because sometimes they'll say, I'm looking at this portrait or that portrait. And he's just like, they're all great. So that's not <laughs> <a fun> place. <laughs> I'm like, no, I need constructive criticism. He's like, the lighting's good. The expressions, I no. <laughs> so that's the one place that I, I'm going with my own gut on that or another photographer. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. So Sharona, just to change gears a bit, I heard that you recently adopted a new family member. Um, April and I love dogs. So tell us about your new greyhound and what that means for your family. Oh, I could talk about this all day. I'll try to explain myself. Go ahead. We're ready. I am so in love with this dog. Good Lord. I have become a dog person. And more than that, I've become a greyhound person, which is its own cult that I've recently learned about. So yeah. I adopted my beautiful greyhound. His name is Orion, but we call him Ori. And I adopted him this summer. He used to race. He's a retired racer. And he had raced in April state of Florida and also in West Virginia. And he came to us around the age of two and he'd already raced 81 times. And they usually only start racing after 18 months. So he'd had a busy, busy career. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's enormous. <laughs> I think the one thing that that um I t- I take as April knows I take a lot of photographs of my dog as posted on social media. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> we're just not yes. professionals. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing I cannot convey is how large he is. He's literally three feet long and about three feet high. Wow. He is oh a gosh. big guy and he's like paper thin, skinny boy and beautiful black dog and he's lovely. But yes, he is what my daughter now calls her three-year-old fuzzy sibling. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> and I just love, really love him. pictures of them together. What a pair. Thank you. They're so cute. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm cute. a little biased, but yeah, he's actually my, my studio dog. I now have to add to the list of questions when authors are coming to my studio, whether you're allergic to dogs and if so, I make sure that they're taken care of. But oh, yes, he's a, he hounds the studio. My greyhound hounds the studio. So he is delightful. And I, I am, I am uh, very, very attached to him. How does shooting a, a greyhound compare to shooting authors? <laughs> from behind the lens? <laughs> I don't usually have to put treats in front of the author. <laughs> Only for the, the really difficult ones, right? <laughs> No, I will say I do come prepared with my little tea tray of treats for authors too, but they're, they, they get Godiva chocolate and the dog, the dog gets a little turkey jerky. So a little bit different menu. I love it. So speaking of family, I know that martial arts plays a big role in your, in your family's lives. Tell us mm-hmm. about specifically how it brings you and your family together. Mm. So I jokingly say I dragged them both into it because I actually started training in Kempo Karate, American Kempo Karate, uh, when I was in high school around 15 and six or 16. And I trained throughout college, I actually taught club karate at Carnegie Mellon oh. when I was a student there. Yep. And um, I definitely have taken big breaks in training, but for the past several years, my whole family has been involved 
And uh, all three of us are black belts. And my daughter just got hers last year after training for many years, multiple times a week, she worked hard. Mm -hmm. So we're really proud of her. And both Jared and I will teach. We tend to be the substitute karate teachers on call because we both work a lot of hours. But we both teach and train. And I've also been involved with women's empowerment self-defense, which is a little bit different than martial arts. Um, it is aimed towards primarily women. And it's, uh, it's a shorter course. It's not sort of a lifetime commitment, but one where you learn very basic skills that any person can learn right away. Um, and there's different systems throughout the United States. There's impact, which is the training group I've worked with. And there's model mugging, which a lot of people are familiar with that brand as well. So I... For me, I just think particularly as a woman, uh, that being able to defend yourself is sadly a practical, um, I don't want to say necessity, but definitely a confidence builder in uh, many a woman's life. I think sometimes just having and knowing that you have the knowledge and the ability helps the individual woman hold herself in a way where she looks strong and less vulnerable in a way. But I would say that going back to the broader martial arts and um, I, I do a, a form of Japanese Kempo now, which is a little bit different than American Kempo, but there's a lot of similarities. In all these forms of martial arts, you're working on confidence, character development, and all these things that bring both, I'd say, mental strength is along with the physical strength and flexibility. And so, yeah, it's been a huge part of my life. It's something I think about all the time. In the impact work I did, I recently volunteered with Impact Boston, who brought in a bunch of trainers from um, a Native American reservation in North Dakota, where they're having a lot of issues with Native American women being abducted. And so this group was coming into Boston to be trained to teach this form of empowerment self-defense to women on the reservation. And I was just so delighted and proud to be able to volunteer and, and help newly hatched trainers bring something to a place where there were so many individuals that could use um, this form of empowerment-based uh, self-defense. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm, Thank well, you. I'm, I'm almost speechless, but it really, to play such a big part in knowing that women that you'll never meet are, are going to be a little better off and a little more confident and, and carry themselves a little better because of, you know, a few hours of your time volunteering. That's, that's pretty special. I felt like it was a really, it was a gift. It was actually this last training I did was literally January 1st, 10 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. And it was such a great way to get 2019 off to a start because I think a lot of people are feeling like we live in very turbulent times. And I think the best thing someone can do in times where they're feeling a fraud is to do something to help other people. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was just a great way to get the year off to a good start. I agree. And I, I think I've seen, um, I think I saw Lilia, I think I saw your daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Went, yeah. Did you post that on Facebook? I'm pretty sure I saw. I did. I did. Yeah. Impact also has classes for kids in middle school for teenagers, for college-aged folks, as well as adult women, people in the LGBT community, and people in other communities that are uh, at more risk. And so they really fine-tune and specialize the curriculum to different groups. And yeah, my daughter participated 
in the middle school group in which these kids that were between the ages of 10 and 13 were using full force contact against a padded attacker. Mm -hmm. So they knew not only the verbal skills to first defend themselves and the sort of mental skills and developing boundaries, but also the physical skills on how to defend themselves and what areas of the human body are the most uh, vulnerable to someone who is a smaller person being attacked. So mm-hmm. I just, I was in awe of how well she did. I was so um, pleased because these kinds of full contact trainings, they can be really intimidating at first, mm-hmm. but just such a valuable experience because people are getting the experience of learning how to deal with the adrenal, uh, adrenaline that's happening when you're facing attacker mm-hmm. and still, you know, using these skills that will work and will help you defend yourself even in an adrenalized situation. Mm-hmm. I love that. I would love to um, get that link from you and get it on our website. Yeah, I will absolutely give you the link. And Impact is a national organization. And then there's also organizations uh, that are international uh, women's empowerment self-defense organizations that I'm happy to provide you with a link with as well. Wonderful. Yeah, because I, I remember watching that video and thinking at that age, and obviously not having training like that, I never would mm-hmm. have been able to hold myself the way that Lilia did. And she did a beautiful job. And I just had tears in my eyes when I was finished watching it because I was like, this is exactly what we need to be teaching our girls. I just think I wish every kid in middle school had the opportunity to learn these kinds of skills mm-hmm. to defend themselves. I just think that there's also such a mental change that happens when you know that you can take care of yourself. It's, I mean, and with that, the caveat is that no matter how trained and how skilled you are, there are sometimes going to be situations where <laughs> you may not come out on top, but it is so much better to have as much knowledge as you possibly can. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's that's such a cool thing that you do, Sharona. And I, I didn't realize the extent to which you were involved in that. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I participated in the courses myself and I'm training to be a volunteer to continue being a volunteer as part of the program. So I'm just really delighted. Nice. So wrapping up with our last question uh, today, mm-hmm. we enjoyed our time with you so much, Sharona. Um, oh, thank you. To know what is your best piece or pieces of advice for women who are looking to take their next step forward? And as a second part to that question, are there any specific books or tools or resources that you would recommend? So I would say that the one thing I would really recommend, and it's easier said than done, is to trust your own inner compass, trust your gut, listen to that little that little part of you that is not sure, not certain, um, but let your gut be your guide. And I'm going to just give a little sort of background to that. When I changed into my current career of being a photographer, it was not always the most logical career in some ways and that I'd had all this training in psychology and higher education administration and sort of much more practical things. I had worked in marketing before I went back to school to be a psychologist. And, you know, it was not the practical choice at the time. But I was at a point in my life where I said, okay, I've done these different things. And I want to do something that's meaningful. And I want to do something that reflects who I am. Because 
it sounds so cliche, but I have said it before. Life is short. And I said it jokingly, you have to have fun, but I mean it truly. You have to, you, we only have so much time. So if you have the ability to do something that gives you life every day, do it. And that is within the greater context of being a woman in which we are socialized. <laughs> you sort of want to make everybody else happy. But you know what? We can't live our lives for other people. We have to sort of live the life that makes sense for us because no one else is going to be there day in and day out. So I would just say, especially when you're at a crossroads in life, just close your eyes and take a minute and check in with yourself to see what do you really want? I mean, you really want, not what is sensible or what all the logic says, because you will bring in the logic. You will bring in the sensibility. You will bring in the intellect. But you can combine that with your gut. And I think that's when you will find the best fit for the individual woman. Great advice. I love that. I love Thank it you. too. And I think <laughs> Thank you know, you. it makes me think of yoga, which you know is my thing. Mm. And mm-hmm. going going inward and listening to yourself and you know who you really are and what you really need. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely I that that advice resonates with me for sure. Thank you. And I think you had a follow-up question too, and I don't remember what it was, but remind me again what it was. Oh, it's um it's it's possibly a follow-up. It's just that if you have any like books or tools or resources that you ah, recommend. You know what? I have to April will probably chuckle as I say this. We both are trained in mental health counseling, I would say. <laughs> Don't get therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's also really great advice. <laughs> I actually no, I mean one of our um our classmates, Sharona Russ. I remember mm. saying in class, you know, we go for a a physical every year. What if yep. the world went for kind of a mental health checkup every year? What a different world we would live in. And that has stuck with me all these years. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. I think the weird way our society stigmatizes going to therapy makes absolutely no sense because no one would say, oh, you know, you hurt yourself physically. Just, you know, suck it up, buttercup, when, you know, <laughs> a dose of antibiotics would do a good job. You know, and I shake think, that, 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 <laughs> I know, shake off that broken leg, girlfriend. Uh, I would just say, you know, even if it's not, you know, you're having, you know, a crisis, even if you're just having a point where you're not sure, you're, you know, you have multiple things that you're juggling or multiple possibilities you're juggling. Career counseling is great. Go see a career counselor. I mean, I just think that these things are valuable. The other thing I would say is do a ton of informational interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, Go talk to people in careers that you think look interesting. Talk to as many people as you can. And as long as you're kind and offer a cup of coffee, you're not going to go wrong. You'll probably make a new friend. And if nothing else, you'll know a little bit more about an area that you didn't know previously. Mm-hmm. So I would say use use humans, use people as your resources. And I could, I'm sure, advocate a ton of books like, you know, the famous What Color Is Your Parachute? There's so many different careers books. And I know there are careers books that I remember reading that also focused um, on careers in the arts in particular. I, I read everything, but I think that when I was trying to make my decision about what my next step would be, but talking to other human beings were honestly my, my best resources. I we love, love that. that. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's why we're here. That's why we, we started the podcast. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's our goal is to help women, you know, trade some pieces of advice amongst each mm-hmm. other, even if they're women that would never meet or know each other. It's just kind of, you know, a, a digital community, if you will. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe someone wants to know about photography, especially literary or literature mm-hmm. or, or for greyhounds, who knows? So <laughs> <laughs> All good things. All good things. Yes. Well, with that, we want to say thanks to everyone for joining us today. And Sharona, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was delightful. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. As always, we're looking forward to sharing more stories soon. In the meantime, check out our website at herstepforward.com or follow us on Instagram at herstepforward for all the latest updates. If you'd like to reach out to us, shoot us a message on Instagram or email us at info at herstepforward.com. See you next time. Bye.